millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petham here as always and Villa have finally won another football game after well i guess this would be the sixth attempt after a five match uh losing streak i guess is the best way to put it but nonetheless steven gerrard's reign as villa boss starts with a bang i think that's the first villa boss that we've had that's won the first game since i think john gregory in like what 98 or something like that i can't really remember exactly anyways that's the stat that I, at least i'm sticking with if i'm wrong i'm wrong but nonetheless of course we do have simon o'regan here and tom nightingale as well to get all the fun and we're going to soak this one up because hopefully it's the first of many under steven gerrard but uh yeah, it's all positives, but let's go over to the hungover Simon O'Regan first. Simon, how's it going for you? Uh, yeah, not too bad, apart from a slightly sore head. Um, it's just nice to come away from Villa Park with three points and a clean sheet. It's, it's been a while since that's happened, so can't complain too much. Yeah, absolutely. It's good uh, that Seb's not here because I feel like he would have made some kind of fun of that comment about your forehead or something like that. But anyways, <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. So when he listens to this, he can enjoy. But Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, pretty well. Thank you. Nice to be uh, nice to be finally recording an episode of these after a Villa win. It's uh, several months in the waiting. My curse is broken. Uh, yeah, hard not to feel hard not to feel pretty chuffed, really. It's quite easy, isn't it, when you get into a run like we've been on to forget what winning feels like. But uh, yesterday, I think yesterday was one of those really nice wins where like the game's kind of like marginal for a lot of the game. You think it might be petering out to a draw and then to sort of nick it late on. Um, it's a pretty good feeling. So, yeah, can't really complain too much. 100%. And of, of course, I should mention uh, Villa's two goal scorers, Ollie Watkins scoring the 84th minute, Tyrone Mings in the 89th. Another uh, Villa win where we just blitz them at the end. Uh, very much reminds me of the 3-0 against Everton, of course, where, to be fair, you could probably say either team could have won this game. And of course, it ends up being Villa. Started off positively. There's probably about 60 minutes of back and forth. And you'd probably have to say Brighton were the better side for most of that 60-minute period. And then probably for the last 15, we were the better. So I, I think the one thing for me that speaks loudest the most is, especially under Gerard, and I, I guess you could even say the same thing under Dean Smith, is you don't have to dominate a game to win. It's what you do with the ball when you have it. It's not all about possession. And that was the best thing that I probably took away from Gerard's uh, post-match uh, presser kind of after the victory. But Tom, I want to spin it right back to you. Of course, we had Ollie Watkins on the left, and I don't think he's played on the left since maybe even pre-Brentford, if I'm thinking correctly, or maybe it was his early days at Brentford. And of course, Emmy Buendia on the right. What did you make of that? Because I know a lot of people were calling for Buendia to play in his natural position and didn't have the greatest game. But what did you make of those two in particular? Yeah, I mean, we chatted, didn't we? We did a, did a Twitter spaces on Friday where we were talking about the team we were expecting. And I think the only thing that 
I had said in advance, I thought that Bailey might start on the right instead of Buendia. Um, I don't know. Like I've see, seen some people express a bit of criticism about Buendia. Um, I know he had quite a strong reaction when he was taken off. I think that's mainly disappointment at himself and disappointment about not completing in 90 minutes again because I don't he has doesn't seem to have done that very often so far. I didn't think he had a bad game at all. Um, and I do I think he's one of these players who you know he's certainly got a great eye for a pass. He's got good he he's got a lot of good attacking qualities. He also puts in a bit of a shift tracking back. I think under Gerard he's a, a good example of a kind of player who could uh improve quite significantly. Um, if we give him a little bit of time, um, particularly given the apparent sort of uh, expertise of Gerard's coaching staff. I know there's been a lot of talk about Michael Beale and people like that. Um, I think Brendia stands to improve a lot. I didn't think that yesterday he was, you know, particularly great, but it's been a tough one for him, really, because obviously, you know, had a bit of an injury, I think, at the start of the season. He's played in different positions, done a lot. I know he wasn't in the most recent Argentina squad, but he's done some travelling to and from Argentina, now he's got a new manager, you know. Um, but he showed flashes, I think, of what we are hoping for from him. Uh, Watkins, I thought, was excellent all game, really. Thought he was very good out on the left, doing exactly what you imagine that Gerard and co. would have been asking him to do, run the channels, hold the ball up, you know, link the play, the, all the sort of stuff that we've seen him do um, a lot last season. Interesting that, you know, the, the match being won came from the shift of taking Ings off and pushing Watkins inside. Um, I don't know how much we read into that at this point, really. The Ings thing is another issue entirely, right? Whether or not we feel like he's going to fit into this team on a long-term basis. Um, lots of working out still to be done. But I thought, the main, honestly, the main thing for me yesterday was just everybody put in a shift. You could tell that the players have been lifted. You know, we, we were talking a lot about, like, if you can't be motivated to play for Gerrard, then who you're going to be motivated to play for as a 20-something year old Premier League player. Uh, and that was really clear, I thought. I thought everybody looked like they'd raised their game. Mings rose to the challenge. Matty Target isn't a good example, I think. I thought he had an excellent game. And that's just really good to see. That was, to me, that was, obviously it's great to have the win, but that was almost more important than the result for me, was stop the, you know, certainly stop the rot of defeats, but just look like you're up for the new challenge and the new adventure, right? And that's, I think that's exactly what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. And Simon, I'll, I'll spin a bit of a different question to you. If there's, I'm not going to say one positive or one negative, but if there's one thing that stuck out to you yesterday about that result in particular, what was it for you? Um, I think probably, I, I thought the first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we started quite brightly and moved the ball quite quickly. And that sort of intensity dropped off a bit quicker than I'd have liked. And I suspect a bit quicker than Gerard would have liked as well. Um, but, you know, that's something that he's only had really two or th- two days, maybe three with the whole squad there, um, barring, obviously, a couple of the injured players. So I think it's, it's kind of early days to have too negative a reaction to anything you didn't necessarily like from the game yesterday because, as I say, he's just not had long enough. It's something that's going to take a bit of time. But I think the if there was an area where I think straight away he's, he might have some concerns. I do think that central midfield is is a problem. I mean, I thought I like marvellous to Canberra. I think he does have some really good qualities. But if you compare compare him to Basuma, you know, there's there's such a difference in, in I think control and, and strength in in that sort of central midfield position. I 
I think that's an area of some concern, um, especially some of the games that we've got coming up. You know, we've got some tough, tough teams. So that that be something I'd be a little maybe worried about. But you've got Douglas away still to come back. As I say, he's going to have more time with the players in the training ground. So, you know, this is obviously room for improvement in every game, but that, that, that would be my one area. But overall, I think, you know, it's a pretty decent start, to be fair. Yeah, and I mean, probably the one positive for me yesterday was uh, Morgan Sanson was on the bench, so he didn't get hurt <laughs> at Disneyland as much as we thought he did. Um, so that's always great to see. And Tom, I'll, I'll spin this one back to you. I mean, I, a lot of discussion, and we discussed it on Friday on the Twitter spaces, which, uh, little plug, we hope to do hopefully every week or at least bi-weekly on a Friday evening um, or afternoon, depending where you are, of course, across the globe. But the one thing that I kind of figured yesterday was the press in the midfield and kind of the lack of gaps that we left from our forward line to the midfield, especially when we pressed it was very evident to see they moved as a unit and then probably for a decent spell, it kind of went back to the old ways of where it was very um, disjointed. You had McGinn kind of pressing a little bit too high, leaving to Canva basically by himself. Ramsey was guilty of that as well. Of course, Jared's only had a couple of days with some of these players, so you're not going to get all your points across, but is that still a bit of a concern? And like Simon said, it's it's kind of evident that there's going to be another midfielder come in. I just, I can't see us not adding one, but what did you make of the midfield yesterday in particular? No, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was too bad really. Like with the Nakam, Nakamba thing, I, I thought, I actually thought he had a pretty, I thought he had a pretty good game doing the, you know, we talk a lot about Nakamba's good at the things that he does. He's certainly not a complete midfielder, but like, you know, yesterday there was absolutely no way that, like he had to, Nakamba had to start yesterday um, because with no Louise and, and Sanson not still not being ready, you, like we saw, I think you've just talked about it, like Nakamba being left to do a lot of the sort of ball winning, uh, you know, anchor role in midfield, being left alone to do that. And it's, you know, McGinn, McGinn and Ramsey, I don't think either of them are blessed with um, particularly uh, consistent, exceptional defensive qualities in central midfield. And also the point we've been saying for ages, right, as fans, is that we don't, that's not really what we want to see from McGinn. The, you know, I think the general consensus is that we want McGinn to have a bit more freedom to go forward. And so if you're going to do that, you need that midfield anchor in. I thought the camera did the job pretty well. I have to say, I agree. There are, I was watching in the pub and there are a couple of times where I, I sort of, you know, said said that to have a player like Basuma, he, he's I think he's pretty exceptional, really Basuma in in that role, and it is. I think that's what that's what we 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 need to find. Whether that's whether Gerard and his team believe that they can coach Nakamba into becoming, you know, into reaching that next level as a player in that role, because um, he's got the attributes for it. It's just does he have the consistent quality? Like personally, I think he plays pretty well every time he plays. Um, or, you know, do they fancy, it'd be interesting to see where they fancy Sanson playing, because obviously we haven't seen very much of him. He looks like one of these neat and tidy, pass the ball around midfielders, but maybe they think that he, in you know, in combination with McGinn, can do the defensive side of things. Um, I have to say, like, I still think, we were saying it over the summer, right? I, 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 do, I do think that the one... The one thing we missed from the summer really was signing a defensive midfielder. I still think it would have benefited us a lot. Obviously, we we couldn't really see this coming with Sanson. It's difficult to know that it was going to be this much of a train wreck in terms of his in his his injury uh, his injury record. 
but hindsight's 2020 isn't it um but you know we were talking about losing a bit of control of the game i agree we started well went a bit flat i think one thing i will say is you have to give credit to brighton and to graham potter because they play they do play a certain way and brighton's thing really seems to be just be hard be hard to beat and they were hard to beat you know i didn't really feel like we were ever in serious danger of losing that game yesterday but by about 70 minutes i was sort of resigned to the fact that you know okay nil nil at home to brighton's not ideal but it stops the rock gives us a platform to build from um and that's credit i think to brighton and to potter for setting up to be hard to beat in that midfield i'm not surprised that we went a little bit flat given the lack of time gerard's had and then i actually think a combination of the subs the subs working out from Gerard because you know on another day it's very easy to look at it and think bringing Ashley Young on in central midfield on another day that does not go as well as it went yesterday <laughs> let's be honest we've seen that already um I also thought that Potter for Brighton uh, their subs I thought I found a bit odd I thought their subs they I think they took Kukurea and Lamptey off they brought Mope on like quite late like I thought that was a bit odd that sort of seemed to open the game up I think and made them actually sort of compromised their intention to be hard to beat and, and and allowed us to sort of play through them a little bit more um maybe he is a villa fan <laughs> um but yeah you know I, over overall i thought we showed flashes of being the team that we want to be in terms of controlling play now it's just about getting the players up to a standard where we can do that for if not 90 minutes then certainly 70 80 minutes of every game yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I think is important to mention too is like like I've said before and we've all kind of touched on it's still very very early days under Gerard. But the one thing that I can say that I saw yesterday is there was you could see there was a game plan, there was a bit of a kind of identity. And as much as I love Dean Smith, um there has been times over the course of our life in the Premier League under him which I didn't really know how we were playing it seemed very kind of running gun um which it was brilliant last season it worked but everything of course and here's his name again flew uh flew through uh jack Grealish, and that was our outlet so it, it just was evident this season we didn't really have that game plan and it's still early days maybe it doesn't work out maybe i hate to say it maybe we're relegated i doubt it but like you know what i mean hindsight's a thing where you kind of have to sit back and say okay it did or it didn't work out but the one thing with yesterday was you could tell with the moving the ball around between the back four, giving it back to Emmy and not just hoofing it up the pitch, kind of giving yourself a minute to see what options were there. The midfield coming back to provide those options. The amount of times I saw Buendia and Watkins kind of invert inwards, of course, and provide that inner outlet. So maybe target or cash could kind of overlap and provide something. And of course it didn't always work, but we're kind of seeing the ebbs and flows of something that even so quickly a message has clearly been put on and they're taking to it already. And of course, if it's a nil nil draw, we'd probably take it considering five losses on the bounce. And maybe people wouldn't obviously be as positive as they are and point out things as positively as, as I think we are at least, but at least we're getting to somewhere where, fans can kind of sit there and we have an idea of what's going on. And I just want to say that's nothing against Dean Smith or anything like that. It just, it's nice to see that we're not just throwing like three or four strikers on at the end, like the Southampton game and hoping for the best, but 
anyway, Simon, I want to get this back to you. What can we really read into yesterday? Like how much can we really read into it? Of course, it's like I said, pre podcast recording. It's so much like the Everton game where we started off well, um, kind of went back and forth. Everton had their spells as well. And then we just blitzed them at the end. It, it reads that, but for me, it's so much more, but where does this sit with you? Um, it's hard to tell really, because I think with the five defeats in a row, as sort of Tom was saying a bit earlier, it, it felt like it was sort of petering out into a nil-nil and with the context of the recent run of form, that's something that I think you, you kind of think, okay, we'll, we'll take that. Whereas if you're on a, a decent run of form going into that game, then you wouldn't be happy with that game sort of peering out into a nil-nil. So I, I don't know. I think you, you can just say it's it's a decent start. It's a solid platform to build from, but, you know, it's still, it's still not got a fully fit squad to choose from. Which I, I think, you, you know, you when you were talking then about how this season you kind of you haven't always been able, been able to see what the plan or what the sort of identity is meant to be. And I think Smith was hamstrung by the level of injuries we've had to key players uh, in certain positions. And I think to an extent, that's still sort of going to be the same with George yesterday. That wasn't a fully, you know, that I don't think if everyone's fully fit, that's necessarily the starting eleven that he go with. Um, certainly the midfield, I think there's, there's room for manoeuvring there. So it's kind of, I think it's difficult to read too much into it going forward because I think, it, you know, he, he's going to have, he's going to want a bit more time to work on how ex- exactly he wants to play, especially with that front three. With, you know, if it, is, is Brendan and Ings, uh, so Brendan and Watkins, are they going to be the wide options of that front three? And, you know, are they going to be more inverted, like two number 10s, or does he want them to be staying wide? So I think it'd be interesting to see how that moves going forward and where Leon Bailey and Bertrand Troyore, if, if he's actually still alive, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's the case because he seems to just disappear from the face of the earth. So, um, that, that'll be, yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how that moves going forward. But I think the, uh, I, I was glad that he went back to that back four. Uh, from last season that that worked so well together and you know I think if that if that's something that we can get back to that level of solidity from last season then 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 we've got a really strong base to go from because they you know that's a decent back four and goalkeeper so that that was a real positive for me I I agree with Simon really and I think a good example yesterday is like Matty Target I thought Target had a really good game I saw a stat. I saw a stat actually that Villa put up that he no 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 Villa player either won more tackles or created more chances for us yesterday than Matt Target. He was at least joint top in both of those, which I think, to be honest, what I what I was thinking to myself, sort of halfway through the first half, I think yesterday is it's pretty much the first game. Like I think it's gen. I think it's generally accepted that targets play has not quite been at the level that we came to expect from him last season I actually thought yesterday he had his best game since Grealish left because I think he and Watkins are probably the two players who have been most affected by Grealish's exit just through by virtue of playing down that left-hand side and the link-up that they those three sort of had together last year I thought Target was looking back to uh pretty much his best and I think at his best Target is a extremely competent left back and part of a back four that doesn't, I don't think our back four really needs that much work in terms of improvement. It's just about 
consistency and concentration like the ability is there for all four of them and I thought that showed yesterday at all like I said I didn't really feel that at any point we were in danger of losing the game and that's testament really to, I know Mar- okay Martinez made a couple of decent saves one of them was that from a tight angle straight at him which you'd expect him to save the other one was pretty good I think like his trailing hand sort of stopped it and I mean so obviously you're going to get once a game probably Martinez saves us but that I don't think there's there's anything that's a bad thing do you know what I mean that's just a sign that you have a good goalkeeper because a couple of chances are bound to slip through every game um I thought we looked yeah I don't know I thought we looked very solid and then like moving forward a, a big takeaway I had obviously it's quite early but there was quite, you know, we were a bit disjointed for certainly for parts of the game, but the part, you know, the parts of the game that we were actually, you know, having a lot of the possession, I thought we had some really, really quick and sharp passages of play, like nice little interchange, a couple of, there are a couple of times where we had players sort of forming those little triangles in midfield or on the wing and passing around opponents and, and keeping the ball moving and quite fluid. Like we haven't really seen that this year at all. Uh, really I don't think in terms of the short passing game and that's something that I think Gerard and his coaching staff can really bring the best out out, out of us because we have we have the players to play that sort of style I think um and then if I'm going to single out anybody else like I thought McGinn I thought Mings people were excellent I've got really high hopes for where Jacob Ramsey goes from here um under Gerard and his staff like talking about the quick movement the passing the getting on the ball driving forward like Ramsey has all of those qualities. Um, he certainly seems to be hitting new heights month by month. Like he started playing for the England under-21s and by all accounts was a standout player in one of their games over the break. Um, yesterday, I thought he barely put a foot wrong. Like incredible to think that he's only, he's still only 20. I'm not entirely sure exactly how old he is. I think he's 20. Um, the, to be showing that level of comfort in a Premier League midfield already is very impressive and like he just seems an exact uh, example of the kind of player that Gerard and his staff can improve and can turn into like a serious serious asset for us oh 100 and the one thing I d- did want to bring up about Emmy Martinez of course I think this is like his 25th Premier League clean clean sheet so um, I don't know how many of those are for Villa I guess now but anyways the one thing also I did want to bring up at the back line I think that's only the second um time that back four has played together this season i think it was second or third or something like that and i think the the first time was newcastle i want to say so we've won both of those and that's evident i think that kind of carries over from last season and to be honest i didn't even think of that if that stat's actually true that's mental to see and you can see when we do have a fully fit and firing squad or back four we don't concede goals but back to martinez for a second the one thing i did want to say is i think Villa winning starts and ends with him. I think we're just one of those teams that when you're going to play on the counter, when you're going to press hype the pitch like we seem to be doing now, there's going to be sometimes gaps and moments that we're going to need quality and goal. And we saw that last season. We're seeing it this season again, of course. He'd probably like more clean sheets, wouldn't we all? But for me, it's it starts and ends with him. I, I honestly don't think we'd be anywhere near what we have been even this season or last season without him so for me I just it speaks volumes I know the first one like Tom said it you would expect him to save it it did go through a lot of bodies it's good that he kept that composure in the second one it's just a brilliant reaction save to 
be brave and physical to get out there and really challenge the oncoming Brighton player that's taking that shot. I can't remember who it was taking that shot, to be honest, but nonetheless, it you was know, with, a- like with, with Martinez, the thing is now the thing that I, it's, it's such a solid foundation for us. And how good is it now these days, given what we've been through with goalkeepers in the past, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, mm-hmm. how good is it that the goalkeeper we have now at his worst you could say like maybe there are a couple of goals he's let in that he should have saved. I remember like days when we used to have not even that long ago, people like Brad Guzan, who I thought generally was solid, but like at their worst, they were like miss kicking clearances and giving strikers tap ins and all that sort of shit. Whereas now like Martinez's worst is just, Oh, he'll be disappointed with himself there. Like that's the level that you want as your, as your foundation. Yeah, well, the, the best thing is for me when I think of Emmy Martinez is, oh, we lost a game. Now he gets to go away to Argentina and play behind Messi. Oh, poor him. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I, I hope we can uh, keep him for as long as we can, to be honest, because if he does go, it's going to be for massive money, in my opinion. Um, but hopefully that's a long, long ways away or he stays forever. Get more lions on your wall, Emmy, please. Um, that'll show us that you have more commitment. Uh, but anyways, uh, guys, let's uh, talk about one negative, I guess I could say, and that's probably you'd have to put down to Danny Ings. And really, I don't want to say it's too much to his fault because he didn't really get the service that's needed for Danny Ings to be at his best, in my opinion. And we've only really seen um, him succeed on a few occasions this season, even from half chances, he still converts them. But I can't really think of any one single yesterday um, that he really had an opportunity. I think he had 17 touches on the ball, which the, was the lowest of any Villa player that played yesterday. But Tom, I'll spin this one back to you. What did you make of it? And is there too much to kind of point out to maybe his performance and say maybe play Ollie Watkins in the middle next game? I like. I agree. I don't think it's anything that I don't think it's anything that Ings himself did badly. Like for me, the issue is that like, I really like Danny Ings, and his goal scoring record speaks for speaks for itself. Uh, like his his work rate is excellent and you know if you think back to the summer like when that signing dropped and it gave us all that like what the hell moment when that we all got the notification through on our phones or you know however we found out about it and double checking to make sure it was Villa's actual account because it was so unexpected like as much as that was a that was a good moment and obviously that gave us a lift when we were in the middle of the sort of Grealish saga like I the concern I have with Ings is that I don't I still don't really know how you fit him into a team with Watkins and the wide attacking talent that we have. I still have concerns about Watkins and Ings and the being able to form a an effective partnership. It still feels to me like we come away from every game either saying, oh, Danny Ings played well, or saying, oh, Ollie Watkins played well. It's I, I can't really remember a game where I've come away thinking, oh, they both played well. They linked up here. Like It, it, it hasn't really happened so far. So my concern is that, you know, with, with the Ing signing, as I mentioned, it came at a time when we were sort of, we were coming to terms, I think, if my timeline is correct. we were, I think we were starting to come to terms with losing Grealish and it was imminent. I don't think it had actually been confirmed yet. I can't quite remember. And then the Ing signing dropped and sort of lifted us. My concern is that is Ings like almost a vanity purchase of Perslow's? Like, I, I have this concern over him. Like, obviously he's a proven goal scorer and he's a good player but it strikes me whereas like Buendia was a long-term target and Bailey you can understand why he's being brought in because he can 
you know, he plays wide. He's got that explosive quality and he's undoubtedly sort of the quality of player that we're looking for. Ings strikes me as more of a let's drop a bomb and get some positive news out there while we're in the middle of this Grealish shit show. Like, I, I, my concern is that the, how much long-term planning or even medium-term planning really went into the Ing signing. Like, considering that Smith never seemed to really find a place for him or find a system that played to his strengths. And I think now a real question for, like, Gerard and his staff are, is that, you know, is there a system that plays to Danny Ing's strengths and also plays to Ollie Watkins' strengths? Like, I, I'm not entirely sure that system exists. And if it exists, we haven't found it yet. Um, yeah, I thought we were relatively ineffective up front yesterday with Ings in the central position. Um, and then once we moved, you know, obviously, like I said before, like it's, we scored two goals at the end. If this had finished nil-nil, we'd be talking about this quite differently. But the fact is that the substitutions we made yesterday, the way that it panned out, they worked. And a big part of that was taking Ings off and using Watkins as the central focal point in attack. Like, I ju I'm just not, I want Ings to be a success. I know he scored some goals and got some assists for us already this season, but I just, I'm not convinced really that enough thought went into his signing. Um, and I, I, I don't really know how much of a long term plan there is in place there with him. I just kind of find it funny. And it, it's such a, like, it's such a Villa fan thing. Cause how long have we been praying that we'd have a second? class striker and then we finally have one and now know, we're like what the hell do we do <laughs> it's uh it's a never-ending thing where i don't think we're ever kind of happy we just want all these goals to all happen at once and it to fit perfectly but hopefully it's just a matter of time but simon if i do recall correctly we did have a conversation i, I don't know if it was um during a recording or one of our pre or post recording sessions last season where you said oh i'd fancy danny ings uh we have him now but what did you make of his performance in particular yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasn't anything special to write home about yesterday. And I think he did have one uh, chance in the first half where Brendia slips a lovely little ball through to him. And he just, it's a heavy, slightly heavy touch, but he was good goalkeeping as well, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I think Tom's right that I, I don't know if, not quite sure if there's a system where you can play Ings and Watkins together. I think the only way you can do it is how we lined up yesterday in that 4-3-3. And maybe with a bit of time uh, working on it on the training ground, that's something that that may may pay off and, and help Ings out because it's just yeah, it's not it's not quite clicking at the moment. I'm I'm not I don't think that the central midfielders we have are necessarily gonna be creative enough for a player like Danny Ings. I, I think we've got options out wide that Darcy can create goals. But I'm not sure if there's anything that will be coming through that central midfield. But it's kind of... It's, I, I don't I don't think that, that there's a way that you can really play them together. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a case of it's going to have to be good man management that, you know, rotation or you know, a, bit, a certain amount of minutes here or there. Yeah, I think you need, you, you do need to have a good option of players in your squad. And, you know, if it's the case that you've got a player that would start at a lot of other teams in the league, but he's on your bench, I don't see that necessarily as a bad thing. It's just how, how well you manage that as 
as as the manager and the coaching staff to make sure that that player still sort of stays happy and, and wants to be at the club. But um, yeah, I think that'll be be a good interest and early test of of Gerard's ability as a man manager. I mean, I think he he spoke in one of his interviews about how you know he's standing pretty well from their days at Liverpool together. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of hoping that 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 might be a, a positive that, that he can use to to find a way to get the best out of him because playing like Danny Ings, he, everyone knows that he's what he can do. He's a goal scorer. You know, his, his record is, is fantastic. So there, there should be no excuse as to why you can't get the best out, out of a player like that because he's a good player. But as we know from being Villa fans, you know, there's a history of signing good players and completely cocking it up with them. So hopefully that doesn't happen with Ings. It is a good point on the squad depth thing. Like, you're very right. I don't mean to... got to make sure we don't sound ungrateful for having two uh, goal-scoring centre-forwards in our squad for the first time in years. Like, we've come a long way from, pray, you know, praying that Ollie Watkins doesn't pick up a knock so we don't have to choose between a, a rusty Keenan Davis and a um, subpar Wesley up front you know now to have to have Watkins to have Ings and then to have like Cameron Archer coming through as the third striker learning from a player like Danny Ings right it's it's good problems to have it's just how do you find a happy medium where you are making the most of those squad options right no absolutely it's uh it's nice to have depth it's just going to be all about how we kind of fit everyone in and how we can rotate and how that rotation kind of leads to success. You would kind of think um, we'll have to wait and see how our uh, 20 man backroom staff team, it feels like will uh, handle that. I do like how there is a, um, there's something going out now, how we've basically broken it down from defenders, midfielders and strikers and every coach has their own kind of area um, because we have so many and there'll be two coaches per probably with how many uh, we have, but I, I think that's also helpful too. But you could barely see our subs on the uh, in the dugout yesterday on TV because <laughs> yeah. there were so many coaches in like the front row. <laughs> <laughs> True, I, I I don't know why, and maybe this is the whole thing about the mystique of Steven Gerrard being your manager. I just half expected him to sub himself on still for some weird reason. I don't know if I'd want to see that, to be honest. His legs are probably well gone. But anyways, um, guys, let's get over to the uh, Twitter three word reviews. We're finally bringing these back. Uh, but I don't think we've done them since uh, pre five uh, loss losing streak, really. So maybe that's why it started. If so, I do apologize. But anyways, of course, you can tweet us at 75 100 to Holt um, after every game. Of course, leave your thoughts there. It's always appreciated. Let's go to uh, John C says Gerard era begins. Uh, Jewel says last 10 minutes. Gregory Michael patience paid off. Our very own Tom Nightingale, McGinn Ballon d'Or, very, very bold. Uh, James Keep, 4-3-3. Let's go to JD Sparks, hard-fought victory. Uh, James R., Tyrone fucking Mings. Um, And we'll finish off with Nosy Parker, G-Ball Paradise. Um, I wish I could play some actual songs in this to put a meme in that, but I, I can't because it'll probably get copyrighted or something or whatever. But anyways... Oh, I wish I had better editing skills regardless. But uh, guys, let's get over to our match balls for this 2-0 win, of course. So Simon, I'll come to you. Who is your match or who is your match ball going to, I should say? Um, and there's there's a couple of people that you could make a claim for. Um I was 
I, I did like Ashley Young's little cameo down the wing. I, I felt like I was back in 2009 seeing him come on in that position. I was, I was waiting for, for John Carota to be put on the pitch as well. Um, but no, I think I, I was really impressed with Jacob Ramsey. I, I thought he, he had a really good game again. Um, I think I'll go for Tyro Mings. Um, you know, I, I think it's no secret that, that I'm a fan. I think we're all sort of fans of Mings on this podcast. And I think he, when he has a bad game, which he does from time to time, he, he gets, I think, ridiculously criticised more so than any other player for some reason. And yesterday, I thought it was a good captain's performance from him. I thought he, he won pretty much everything. And then uh, a lovely little goal to, to finish the game off for us yesterday. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Mings. Fair enough. Yeah, he I'll led by you. example. He really led by example, didn't he, Mings? Like, it was really great to see, because particularly the stuff that's come out, you know, we talked we we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, you know, la- I don't know last week, a couple of weeks ago, about you know wondering what Gerard's long term captaincy decision will be at the club. And it was interesting to hear him come out and say that you know Mings will remain captain in the short term. And I Mings's performance yesterday to me looked like a guy who has heard his manager said that and and thought, well, I'm going to show you exactly why I should be captain in the long term. Like I thought he really really led by example. He was he was terrific. Um, he was one of mine to be to go for somebody different. Again, I did shout out to Jacob Ramsey because I thought he was exceptional. But I, like honestly, I think I'm going to go for if not Mings, I'm going to go for John McGinn because I thought McGinn was um, just really, really good, really all round yesterday. Um, it was nice to see him showing off the passing range that he does actually have, and I think is something again we're talking about. It's you know speculating on the things that Gerard and his team can coach out of players. I, I think. McGinn has a passing range that is underrated. Like there are a few times yesterday where he played that lovely sort of looped ball over the top of a def- of, of a defender to somebody like Matty Target getting down the wing. Um, he seems McGinn just seems like a player who can thrive under Gerrard and is going to want to prove to one of the best midfielders the Premier League's ever had that he is the best, you know, the best midfielder at Villa. Um, whether or not you believe that's the case, I think that McGinn is going to be wanting to prove that. And I thought yesterday was a really good sign. You know, if 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 yesterday was a sign of things to come for players like McGinn and Ramsey, then that is that is only good news. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think we have to give a special mention to Marvels Nakamba too. Um, he completed twenty seven of his twenty eight passes, finishing with a ninety six point four percent accuracy ratio i guess you could say um so that that's always good to see um of course many of those passes were uh rather short in times from when i remember him moving the ball around i seem to think there was one where it might have been literally a few inches and i think mcginn overlapped him or something so uh, what i will say shouts to nakamba because he was the one who started the move for the first goal like there's been a lot of talk about young's excellent play where he sort of shifted past that defender and then took it forward and timed the pass True. it was nakam it was nakamba sort of having the calm head on the edge of his own box to feed young rather than smacking it clear that got that whole thing started. So, yeah. Good show. Cause I didn't even remember that part of it, to be honest, as soon as uh, young did his little kind of uh, little fancy ball roll, kind of fake out the movement with his body and just got past that uh, his Brighton man and just kind of set that all up. I was in love all, already all over again as uh, as Simon said earlier, but uh, guys, let's get over to the return of a game now. Um, oh, actually, my match ball. I didn't even say it. What the hell am I doing here? Um, I'm going to go with Emmy Martinez just because, um, like I said before, it starts and ends with him. Um, he doesn't save either of those two, in my opinion. We probably um, 
lose. I would say we buckle over, unfortunately, and we know how um, I wouldn't say toxic Villa Park can get, but how quiet and how concerning you can really get. And you need to really G up the players for that. And I think making those two saves kind of pushes the fans and the squad on. So I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, it was only two saves, like I said, but it's two saves that we needed to stay in the game. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the game. Finally, you can tell how organized I am on the Sunday morning to uh, spit things out, but it's a new game. It's the game without a name. That's the name, literally, because uh, I don't have a name for it yet until I come up with something um, better. And if anyone listening has a better name for this, then please tweet us at 7500 Holt because I don't know what to call it. So, of course, um, I've seen other podcasts do this in the past. Um, so I thought, why not nick it and make it a, a Villa version? So basically, it'll be um, a certain player and either Tom, Tom or Simon have to guess how many clubs that player has played for. So essentially, for example, as a fake dummy round, if Simon said, if, if it was a player that had eight uh, teams they played for and he said he knows six and Tom says he knows seven, then basically Simon could bluff and say, okay, Tom, go ahead. If Tom can't name the seven, then the point goes to Simon. Um, I think I explained that somewhat as well as I did pre-recording, but probably not as good. But anyways, I'll, I'll still take it as a success. So we'll have three rounds. Of course, it's the best of three. So hopefully we have a little bit of a competitive round. And for people that like the Villa, who am I? We will bring that back at some point um, once I figure out players we haven't used. Um, so yeah, let's get into round one, which is uh, Mr. Tyrone Mings. I figured we'd make the first one a little bit easier to kick off uh, a new a game. So Tyrone Mings has played four, five clubs. So, Simon, I'll come to you. How many do you think you can guess? Uh, I think I could get four. Tom? Yeah, I'm not. He, he's paid for how many? Five? Yes. I don't think I can name all five, to be honest. I might have to call Simon on that one. Okay, Simon, go ahead. Is it Villa, Bournemouth, Ipswich, and is it Chippenham? Ding, ding, ding. He's got it. He's also oh, played done. for Yate Town, where he started his career in 2011 to 2012, which I don't think he made a single appearance, apparently, according to uh, this Wikipedia page. But 1-0 to Simon O'Regan. I just figured it'd be an easy one. I could have went really hard. Like, I, I, there's a, probably five others that I had, and they had, like, 14 teams. I thought, well, <laughs> we'll save that for, like, Seb or something so it can really struggle. <laughs> um, but anyways, okay, so 1-0 to Simon. The next on this list is Mr. Shea Given, who has played for eight clubs. So, Tom, since you're one nil down, how many clubs do you think you can name? I think I can name five. Okay. Simon, how about you? I think I can only get five as well, so I'll, uh, I'll let Tom go and take this one. Okay, Tom, go ahead. So, Shea Given, in no particular order, Villa, Newcastle, um, Man City, Played for Stoke, didn't he, near the end? And, um, oh crap, what's my fifth one? <laughs> um, I'll give you a second, just to be fair. Did he, play for, did he play for Blackburn? Oh, he did play for Blackburn. That's where he started. Um, he also had loans, of course, at Swindon and Sunderland. And uh, of Middlesbrough, of course, when he was at Villa from 13 to 14 as well. 
Um, so yeah, one all. I feel like this is the quickest game we're ever going to have. I should have had like five <laughs> rounds or something like this. God dang. But anyways, at least we know the pace of it. So the the ultimate round here, the, the one that's going to decide who is the ultimate Villa fan. Um, I shouldn't say that actually, so we don't upset people. <laughs> just in case they think they're the ultimate Villa fan. Um, let's finish it off with Gary Cahill, who's played for seven clubs and is still playing, of course. So Simon, I'll come back to you. How many or how many clubs I should say can you name that Gary Cahill has played for? Seven. Um, so hang on. Let me just have a little quick think. You're gonna have to edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll keep it in. <laughs> it's tricky to be fair. I've I've got five. Got five. Tom, how about you? Have you? I can uh, it's terrible. I can only get four. Mm, let me let me look at this list again. Honestly, I think you guys could name like at least six. Uh, yeah, but anyways, Tom, do you only do you want to give it to Simon or do you want to have a go at six? Considering that I'm struggling to think of a fifth, I think I might have to uh, I might have to stand down here. Okay, Simon, go ahead for five. Uh, Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. Chelsea, Bolton, Villa, and I'm pretty sure we sent him on loan to Burnley. Correct. Um, he also went on loan to Sheffield United in 07, and he now plays for Bournemouth. Is that Bournemouth? No. Does he now play for Bournemouth? Yeah, I, he, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't even know until I pulled up his name. I was like, I thought he retired. Yeah, <laughs> so <did> I. <laughs> uh, the ex-Villa man we almost brought back um, a couple seasons ago, actually. So could have added that back onto the list. But yeah, he's made, I think, what, 12 or 13 appearances for Bournemouth. So he seems like a bit of a regular down there in the championship. Um, I think actually Bournemouth on the Sunday we're recording this just lost to Derby. So Derby are now on zero points again after the <laughs> points deduction. <laughs> I think they're like 15 point gap uh, between them and safety or something like that. So yeah. uh, Wayne Rooney has a, a big job to do, but nonetheless, this isn't a Derby County podcast. We'll, uh, we'll shut up about that, but it's always great to hear these names. So anyways, the, the, the initial, um, what did I call this game? The game without a name um, goes to Mr. Simon O'Regan. So congratulations. Um, the trophy will not be in the mail. Um, <laughs> Seb will have it at Villa Park whenever you decide to give him the world's largest nuggy. Um, no one will have any clue what that reference is unless you're in our WhatsApp group chat. But anyways, um, that's out there for all to hear now. But we'll wrap things up there, guys. I think we've been going on for more than long enough. So thank you very much to Simon O'Regan and Tom Nightingale, of course, for joining me. You can find them on Twitter um, and their links, of course, are in the description of wherever you find this podcast. Leave it a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. It just makes it easier for others to find us. Keep donating to Acorns. We'll have a big push for that in December. Uh, We should have an interview in relation to Acorns coming out in December as well. There should be more things on the site coming out in December. So a big push um, during the holiday season for that. But yeah, we'll leave it there. Hopefully this is the first of many wins under Steven Gerrard. And don't forget, up the villa. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.